0: welcome to today's message from reach Community Church we hope this message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's word and now for today's message good to be with you again um, uh, yeah I think this is one of the few times I've been here twice in a year I was here at the beginning of the year and then uh, we kicked uh, we encouraged Keith to take a sabbatical and um, I've been in sort of contact hes it's, it's one of those it's a good thing for him to do but his soul isn't like getting used to it, he thinks he should be doing stuff you know that and uh, anyway I think I have a message for not just you guys but for us and uh, I'm going to pray and then I'm going to share the message and then if you want, we'll have a chance to respond to the message instead of just going, huh, oh, that was a message, time for lunch. Um, Lord Jesus, we thank you for who you are, all that you've done, all that you're doing. But right now, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you sent the Holy Spirit. When you rose from the dead and ascended on high, you sent the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Uh for, for those of us who know you, um, you live inside of us. In addition, when two or more are gathered, very spirit of Jesus is with us. It's amazing that you are with us, but uh, I respectfully, Holy Spirit, I ask that you do more than be with us. You being with us can change a life just like that. But we ask that you do more. You're the one that makes Jesus real to us. You're the one that reveals truth to us, that transforms. You're the one that just sets us free. You're the one that convicts of sin. You're the one who makes Jesus real in us and through us. So, Holy Spirit, we acknowledge you. We choose to depend on you. And we surrender to whatever you want to do in our lives this day. Amen. Amen. All right. uh, One of my favorite movies is Braveheart. Now, how many of you have seen Braveheart? Okay, for those of you, listen, that doesn't mean that you're bad, but like when you die and go to heaven, right? They're going to ask, did you see Braveheart? (laughs) And that you haven't. Well, there's this little room, little room. You've got to watch it, and then we'll let you in. No, that's not true. Um, It was amazing. The first time I ever watched it was on a, a, a large screen TV, large screen TV um, a large screen movie theater, a really big one. And I, I was up front, which was stupid. And uh, for those of you who've seen it, in the very end, you know, uh, William Wallace, he's all stretched out. He's ready to be disemboweled. That means, well, disemboweled. And uh, so he's about to utter his last words, all right? The religious guy who's killing him thinks he's going to, you know, confess all his sins. But with his last word, he goes, (gasps) freedom. Now, you never want to go to a movie theater with me because I get emotional. But I mean, it was like, yes. And then afterwards, I started wondering, why did that get me so much? All right. And that bust? Something I sure hope not, because I'm not paying for it. Uh, (laughs) There's something really deep in that heart cry. Because he was yelling for something that he had never experienced, but it was in his heart. Isn't that interesting? There's something about the human heart that... There's some things that God puts in our heart that we want to experience... But we don't know what that is. You know, freedom! And um, so that really moved me. That there's something about human beings that God has put this heart cry to experience real freedom. The problem is the world teaches us a false freedom that the very best well-intentioned people, in the, there's a worldly view of freedom that basically says you are free when you get to say what you want, do what you want, think what you want. You, you get to choose. Right? There's something about the power of choosing. And I'm not against choosing. I think it's very important. So does God. But the idea is real freedom is to be able to choose without any influence and without any fear of consequences. There's this thing that we can choose, right? And the truth is, there has never been any possible universe where anybody has ever experienced that kind of freedom. That that kind of freedom is a fantasy, Nobody has ever chosen independently of any of their influences. Nobody. Because we all have influences, we all have a past. Nobody has ever made a choice and there were there's no sorts of short or long term concert. That kind of freedom doesn't exist. Yet our hearts keep on screaming for you, it's freedom, freedom, freedom. Freedom is not doing or thinking or choosing what you want. I can really sincerely believe... Well, I bought... The, I'll get political just for a second. Just relax. Just relax. There's a little personal joke to share. Um, I bought a t-shirt that said, uh, I, uh, I identify as vaccinated. Vaccinated. And and I've worn it a couple times, and I realized it was stupid for me to, A, buy it, and then then go public with it. But people are going, well, are you? Or are you not? Are you? Are you not? And what I just wanted to say is, well, it doesn't matter. I choose to be. I identify it. And, you know, people just go, roll their eyes. The ones who know me, they roll their eyes up then. Just grow up. Anyway, so freedom is not doing or thinking or choosing whatever we want. That will never satisfy the heart cry that God has put in us, ever. That's why we're always always trying to be free, and it's never satisfying. Have you ever noticed that? Real freedom, which is based on what Scripture says, and Scripture is written by this guy is really smart, God, like he knows stuff. Um, real freedom, there's three aspects to it. To the extent that we actually know Jesus, and by I me mean knowing him, not knowing about him. I can know a lot of things about Abraham Lincoln, but I, I never knew Abe. Nope. Um, I can read a lot about people and get an idea, but there's something about a personal relationship that to the extent that we are developing a real relationship with the real Jesus, our heart cry for freedom gets satisfied. Have you ever just been around somebody that just being around them, get to know them, it doesn't just make you happy, but it's like, it just feels good. Like they inspire you, it, you know, they're real close, they understand you, there's life in it, right? When you have a personal relationship with someone like that, how many times are these childish romances? I just feel so, so myself around you. I feel so free around you. Yeah, that's sort of like the feeling. When I'm around you, I just, I'm free to be myself. That's, that's the thing. It's the relationship that produces that feeling. So to be genuinely free is not to go to church, and to do all the rules, and obey all the Bible, although that would be pretty cool. Freedom has a lot to do with developing a real relationship with the real Jesus. Another aspect of real freedom is to the extent that we actually trust Jesus, not just with our, our eternal salvation, but with everyday stuff, then to that extent will experience the thing that satisfies that heart cry. I mean, hopefully you have surrendered your past, present, and future to Jesus. You've admitted that you're a sinner, and there's no way you can connect with God unless you just admit it and let God forgive you. Okay? So let's say you're in. You punched your ticket to heaven. That's a good day at the office. So you've trusted your life with Jesus. But there's something about learning to trust Jesus In the little things, you know, I mean, young people, you know how easy it is to submit to your parents, right? Because Jesus, you died for them. That means they're imperfect. You know, why should I submit to them? Really? You know, there's, you know, that thing, I don't know. Anybody know how to do that? You should be, you, yeah, 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 you can do it. You could do it in your eyes closed. You could do it with both fingers. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, uh. Anyway, but when we Learn, And, you know, it's a a progression when we learn to trust Jesus with our past. Or we learn to trust Jesus with our children. Or learn to trust Jesus like with our finances. Or with our future. It's amazing. As we trust Jesus in everyday things, everyday things, it's amazing we start experiencing the kind of freedom that satisfies our heart cry. That's just how it is. And then there's this other one. It's a four-letter word, obey. It really is a four-letter word. But obedience doesn't mean getting it right or being perfect. It's just, God, this is what you want me to do? All right. I choose to trust you. I'll do it your way, not my way. It's always hard in the beginning. Have you ever tried to forgive someone that you spent years not liking right and you got to do it but here's the thing to the extent that we learn to obey the real Jesus right alright Jesus you said it you're smarter than me I'll do it it's amazing over time we experience a satisfaction of that heart cry that... So, so the freedom we're actually looking for comes with knowing and trusting and obeying Jesus. Another way to put this is: we're all going to be slave to something. That's what the Bible says. We're going to be a slave to the one we obey. Um, so the issue is not free or slave. It's just what are we enslaved to? If we're enslaved to ourself, if we're enslaved to our very best ideas, or our past, or enslaved to any sort of thing other than Jesus, guess what? our heart cry is not satisfied. But when we're actually enslaved, submitted to growing in our, uh, our submitted relationship with Jesus, that's where we get to experience the satisfaction of our heart cry. That, that's biblical freedom when we get it. Here's just, a, just an example. Let's say you're my enemy. As a matter of fact, not only you're my enemy... But everybody in your family line, they've just hated people named Goodman. That's just how it is, right? That means I'm much older than you. And uh so I do all that. I, and, I, and I'm going, I know I'll be free when I can make him change and that he... He says bad things about everybody that I, I basically I dismantle you and everything associated with you. Then I'll be free. That's worldly. So you do it, then what? But you do it Jesus' way. Hey, buddy, it stinks being you. But because of what Jesus did for me, I forgive you. I hold nothing against you or your family. I bless you. I I refuse to let what you have done define who I am or where I'm going. I bless you. I forgive you. I no longer hold it against you. Guess what? When I do that, do it God's way, that is freedom. Isn't that interesting? But anyway, so there's two kinds of freedom. There's the freedom from certain things. And then there's the freedom to do certain things. The Scripture that is just so important. For, it is for freedom, the freedom that I described. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Jesus came so that He can be the one who satisfies that heart cry. It was for freedom that Jesus came to set us free. He wants to set us free from a few things. I'm going to go over just really quick, really quick. There's one I didn't put up here. And I didn't put it here on purpose. So this is it. A... Good. Keep it there. Good. There's one. A freedom from an eternity in hell. Now, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a Bible thumper. and I'm not going to condemn anybody. But God has created every human being with eternity in their hearts. That's what it says in Song of Solomon. Uh, we all have eternity in our hearts. It means many things, but what it means is this whether we acknowledge it or not, deep within the human soul, we know that this isn't all there is. We know that after we die, we know there's an eternity. We know. We just know it. God has put eternity in our hearts. We just know it. Imagine living your life not even believing in God, just doing your best and all being sincere, being good, learning how to virtue signal, do all that stuff so everybody thinks you're great. You do all that sort of stuff and you carry with yourself that there's a place in your heart where there, you have no answer. You have no idea what the eternal future looks like. You have no idea what your place is in the eternal future looks like you have no idea can you imagine and god put eternity in our hearts so you can't just throw it away it's there because he put it there can you imagine living your life having the empty place sort of knowing it's there but not paying much attention you know there's a there's a discontent in humanity where we know that there's a god we know there's an eternity we know we know deep down because god put that in us but it's not satisfied. That That's a miserable way to live. Wouldn't it be great to be free from that gnawing, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if, it, if God would receive me. I wonder if there's an eternity. I wonder if I'm good enough. I wonder if I'm this, that, and the other. Wouldn't it be great to actually experience Jesus on His own terms in such a way where... The issue of what's going to happen after you die is settled. A lot of people say, well, I'll put off the decision to give my life over to Jesus. I'll do it later. I'm telling you, from now until later, you still carry with you the dis-ease of knowing that you don't know where you're going to fit in eternity. It's just one of the, when you actually experience the forgiveness in Jesus and you know that you're in, that He owns you, that He loves you unconditionally, that you're, uh, that you're forgiven. When you know that, you may still have some problems, but that gnawing thing is not one of them. So, it's good to be free from that. Free from the fear of an eternal future. Here's the second one. The more we get to know Jesus, the more we understand that the Bible is actually probably true, right? And truth Do you remember when you used to think one way? And then after you got saved, you start thinking differently. And the more you read scripture and prayed, right, you start thinking differently. Um, That's because when we get born again, we get brainwashed. Now you're looking at me like that's not the thing to share in a church. Listen, the issue is not whether or not we're brainwashed. The issue is what do we wash our brains with? I will repeat that. That's a really long bumper sticker. The issue is not whether or not we're brainwashed. The issue is what do we wash our brains with? And God's got some things to... Wouldn't it be great to be free from sincere yet unbiblical thinking? Just because we sincerely believe something and want it to be, doesn't mean it's actually true. Here, in Colossians, it says, See to it, that means make it a point, that no one takes you, <coughs> excuse me, no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition, human ideas, and the basic principles of this world, this world system, rather than on Christ. This, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of ways of thinking political, social, ethical, racial. There's a whole bunch of ideas out there whole bunch whole bunch and in the middle of that Jesus is sitting there going listen if you follow me you're going to find out that my ways might be a little different than yours and you'll even find out that some of those ways are actually pretty deceptive even though you sincerely believe them every one of us have been deceived and when we've been deceived we usually don't know we're deceived and Jesus is sitting there going, I can set you free from unbiblical thinking. I can teach you what the truth is so you don't get snookered or swallowed up by hollow and deceptive philosophy that it depends more on man's thinking instead of God's. Here's another one. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. Though we live in the world, the world's system. We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. What are strongholds? They are arguments and every pretension or idea that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. There's a lot of things that we sincerely believe. And we we would stake our life on the truth of it. But they're strongholds. They're ways of thinking that are deeply entrenched. But they're actually contrary to knowing God and His ways. It's just an—I mean, just a little example. We all, we all know that God only helps those who help themselves. There are a lot of people who do that. They, they walk around with this idea, and having a relationship with Jesus is really hard because you'll never be good enough to get His help. You'll—you'll ne- you'll never be good enough. To get his blessings that you'll never be. There are so many things. Or you know I want to love Jesus. And I want to love God the Father. But my dad was such a jerk. The idea of asserting to a father. ooh, right. Well guess what. The idea that was developed in your heart. In your head. About your father. Is very different. Those ideas are strongholds. That are set against the knowledge. Of what God the Father is really like. as we follow Jesus, we not only get set free from that knowing what's going to happen in the future we, over time we get set free from unbiblical thinking here's the third one we get set set free from our sins these are things we do like uh, the one that I struggle with most is impatience, oh my gosh and I act it out, and I I'm have impatient behavior, impatient, all that sort of stuff. And then I really get mad at God because I'm, he should, he should be making me patient a lot quicker. So I mean, so I'm just really impatient with God and all that sort of stuff. And I know none of you have that problem, but there's something about the things we do. Things we do. And it's like we can't help it. Or as they say in the South, can't help it. I don't know what happened here else. But. There's something something about... Have you ever just... You know the right thing to do? And just keep on doing this. People who are addicted, they don't want to be addicted to pornography. They don't want to be addicted. But man, they're stuck. Their sins have got them. Wouldn't it be great? Whatever. I mean, some people are... Their sins are minor. Some of them are, are big. But there's like an addictive thing where they get you. And they hold on to you. Sometimes the sin of leading, leading two lives, which is living a lot. Man, it's a killer. Wouldn't it be great to follow Jesus in such a way that we get set free from those habits? Yes, amen. In Revelation Revelations chapter 1, verse 5, it says, To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. There's addictions, there's idols. Um, many times, what holds us back are the things we do, but also the effects on our soul. Whether you know it or not, when we sin, it produces a a layer of shame and guilt on our soul. It's like putting layers of lacquer on beautiful oak wood. After a while, you lose the beauty. There's something about when we go to Jesus and confess, and He forgives us, and He cleanses us. He takes away the shame and the guilt from what we've done. Another another kind of freedom is freedom from sin. Now, sins are what we do. Sin is who we are. And I don't know about you, but a lot of my relationship with Jesus, look, i got a plan for my life. I sure like to have you come help me. Right? And he's so gracious. He's so nice. He's always helping us. But sin is not saying, I think I'm going to burn buildings and you know, set little babies on fire and you know, stuff like that. I mean, that would be sin. That would be the, the kind of sin we're talking about is I choose to live my life in my strength according to my ideas. I'm in charge and God is my helper when I ask him in sin. Another word for that is iniquity where it's like I'm going to live my life for myself. Now, many people live their lives for themselves, and they're good people. They're good, they do good things. But have you ever been enslaved to yourself? <laughs> right? You just, there's something satisfying when you go, God, this is my best idea. What do you think? And he goes, no, I've got a better idea. And you go, well, since you're God, I think I'll go with that. We are designed, as Christians, we're designed by God to be free from our sin so we can do things Jesus' way. We're designed by God. That when, all right, I'd rather do this, but I'll do it your way, okay? When we do that, we're free from, I'm in charge. I don't know about you, I fight that every day. the one i want to focus on is this freedom from fear let me tell you where this this part of this message came from in the beginning of this year you know a lot of transition we had covid we still have co- we still have a lot of craziness and i was i was teaching our staff and uh as an all staff and i'm and we're going we're uh, to be fasting. Three weeks of prayer and fasting. And at the end of the first week is my time up. And, and, and I go, Gu- guys, there's some basics. You know, here's why we fast so we can connect with God, get rid of distractions and all that. And, you know, sometimes it's food, sometimes it's social media. There's some basic things. And everybody's going, yeah, 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 we know that. And I go, in addition to that, why don't you ask God what He would like you to fast. I mean, I don't know about you, but it's easy for me to give up piano playing. Because <laughs> I don't play piano. All right? And people went, a good idea. They're writing down notes. And so I led everybody in prayer. Oh, God, what do you want us to fast? And as I'm walking down um, to, to the floor, the Lord just spoke to my heart. He said, Fast fear. Now, I can be afraid just like anybody, but I'm not given to fear. I, I, I won't say I'm particularly brave, but not much fazes me. I'm not a fearful man. Nobody who knows me, even my wife, would go, yeah, he's a fearful man. So I was sort of taken aback. Like, what do you mean? Fast fear. I mean, even how do you do that? I don't eat fear. And he just fast fear. And I realized that maybe he knows something. So I said, okay, Lord, I choose to fast fear. And then I went through like a week and a half of, oh my gosh, it's, you know like really good steak where the fat's sort of marbled in, right, all over. It's just really, really good. I had little things of fear all over. I had fear that was uh, disguised as cautious wisdom. I mean, it was just amazing that... Fear all over the place. As a matter of fact, there was one day I woke up and I realized I was afraid of being afraid. It was crazy. It was crazy. And, oh, it, it was... Have you ever really been sure that you're right about something? Right? And you, you hold to it, man of honor and integrity. But also the reason you hold on to is is you're afraid to admit you're wrong. There were so many things I was afraid to admit. It was just crazy. So... Once God started showing me how fear had sort of crept in, and whole, even given messages, you know, being afraid of what people think, just it was really cool. So every time I saw fear in a way that I had not seen it before, I, in my I went nope. I fasted fear and go nope. I'm not going to base my decisions on that that little fear. It was an amazing thing. There were times, man, I'm walking to, down the hallway on the third floor of our office, just walking, just going, nope, <laughs> nope, <laughs> nope. Is this an amazing? I didn't realize how much fear had been woven in. In Luke chapter one, talking about Je- talking about Jesus, he Jesus has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us to rescue us from the hand of our enemies. And to enable him, enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. I just want to say that one of the reasons Jesus came was to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and in righteousness before him all their days. Wouldn't it be great to live a life knowing, trusting, obeying, following Jesus, and we do it without fear woven into our everyday lives. Wouldn't that just be great? What would be... I mean, when we get to heaven, that will be perfect. But until then, what would it be like? What would it be like? Here's some things that we can be afraid of. And I'm not condemning anybody. But we can be afraid of dying. Whether we're really sick or, you know, you start... You know, when you start getting to be 40-something-something, (laughs) you start thinking about that. And be afraid of dying. Being afraid of the enemy. I mean, really, afraid of the enemy. You're following God, the creator of the universe and all that, and it's like, uh uh-oh, what's the enemy going to do? The devil, you know. And he's a formidable foe. Demons are real. But the idea that we're going to be afraid of them, There are many people who are afraid of spiritual darkness. Some people are just afraid of making mistakes. And I'm sure there's some upbringing issues. We're we're just afraid of... I teach a lot of people in uh, prophetic ministry. And there's this thing, they're going, well, I'm not going to prophesy unless I get it 100%. Because I just don't want to make a mistake. And I say, well, good luck. The only time you're going to prophesy is in heaven. And then in heaven, there'll be no need. You'll be out of a job. That The fear of making mistakes, just afraid of making mistakes. Many times, the fear of making mistakes is the fear of getting in trouble. It's just, hard. if I make a mistake, I'm going to get in trouble. Or, if I make a mistake, I'm going to be ashamed. Someone's going to look down on me. That, that, can you imagine living your life, managing your life, but being afraid of making mistakes because you don't want people to look down at you. That's a hard thing. That's a hard thing. People live their whole lives with this subtle fear of rejection, subtle fear of abandonment. Man, if I do things wrong, they're going to leave me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to play it nice-nice. I'm going to compromise. I'll, it's amazing how much the, the fear of rejection and the fear of abandonment just sort of, I mean, I've, I've known, like, high school girls who's going, I know he's a jerk, but he's the only one who likes me. And if I tell him that, no, I can't put up for him, um, but you know, I really like him, and he might leave me. And I'm going, and I understand, he might leave me. And I just don't think I can handle it. Can you imagine the fear of rejection ruling your decisions? Some of you can. Here's another one. Fear your past. Most people, they follow God, and they go, oh, God. And, you know, have you ever noticed, the further on you go with Jesus, you look back and go, oh, and, and that one was bad, too. And that one, I can't believe I did that. You know? There's, there are people who go, I love God. I'm going to follow God. I'm not perfect. But they're afraid that at any moment, their past is just going to run up from behind them and bite them. And they're trying to go forward by looking backwards. Because they're afraid of what's coming up from their past. Some people live their lives deathly afraid of the future. Many people, they go, God's got this promise out here, but I'm not so sure it might not work and all. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to jump the gun. And we do it because we're afraid that the future that God has for us really won't work out. Here's another one that all of us, yep, yeah, we're afraid of change. I don't know about you, change just ticks me off. I mean, even if it's change that I like, but I still don't trust it. When, when there's a fear of change, there's really a fear of I'm losing predictability. I'm losing control. It's just, yeah, I know none of this applies to you guys, but I'm informing you so you can help other people. Not. there's another one the fear of man scripture says the fear of man is a trap we're all designed by god to care about what other people think what they might do as a matter of fact in making decisions it's wisdom to take that into consideration the fear of man is saying that what people might think what they might do that determines whether or not i obey god then, right, then, you, I mean, anybody younger than me is a young person, but you're really young. Um, I mean, how many times have you had peer pressure? You know, people like you have peer pressure. You're just going, I don't know what you're talking about. You have peer pressure, and you go, man, if I do it God's way, they're going to think I'm dissing them, I'm going to lose a lot of friends, and all that sort of stuff. So I'll meet them halfway, it's amazing how many times. Man, if I do this, I'm going to lose my friends. So I'm a, I'll be a stealth Christian, but I'm not going to take a stand against that unrighteousness. It's just really interesting how that works. We're afraid of people. Remember, and Jesus came to enable us to serve him without fear. Wouldn't that just be cool? And here's another one. Many people are afraid of God's calling on their life. Many you look, I just want to be a good Christian, have a good family, da 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 I don't want to know what God specifically designed me to do or to accomplish. Uh, I'd rather not get into that, because that would take steps of faith and change and all that. I'm really afraid. And besides, if it's God's calling, it's going to be so cool that I know I'm going to fail. So I'm going to play it safe. Yeah, I know I'm the father of the house. I know I'm the husband. But I, if I try to do it God's way, I know I'm going to screw up. Why? Because I never had a good dad. I've had no, there's no way I can do it. I'm afraid of that call. We do this all the time. Yet, Scripture tells us that there's a freedom from fear, that if we follow Him, He will enable us to serve Him. Without fear. Not all at once, but little by little. So there's things that there's a freedom from certain things. All that is designed really so that we could be free to fulfill our callings and our purposes. Why we're here on planet Earth. In Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verse 10, we're God's workmanship we're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. In Philippians, Scripture tells us, uh, Paul says, forgetting what is behind is this one thing I do. I press on to lay a hold of that for which Christ Jesus laid a hold of me. And then a little further down, he goes, now those of us who are mature should take such a view of things. Don't you know that when we allow God to set us free from those things, it's it's great to be set free from those things, but he's setting us free from those things so that we can experience his plan and his purposes. It was great when the people of Israel were set free from Egypt. Hallelujah. No more Egyptian slavery. We're good. Jesus set them free from that. And if that's all that it was, that would have been a great day at the office. But he set them free so that they are free to go into the promised land. To experience their reason for being on planet earth. It's for freedom that Jesus came to set us free. Freedom from things. And freedom to actually follow him in such a way that we fulfill God's plan for us. Which is really the best plan going. So how do you, how do you go about doing this? It's... You don't have to come to me. You don't have to come to anybody. But you got to come to him. All these things that we want to be free from, they're burdens. We may be good at managing our burdens. We can get used to managing our burdens. But we're not designed by God to carry those things that he wants to set us free from. So the first step is not to... Get yourself all fixed up so you can come to Jesus. No, 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 no. That's religion. Religion is, man, I'm a mess. I'm going to fix all this so I can come to God. That's not the gospel. You take your burdens. You take your questions. You take every whatever your baggage is, you take that to Him. First step. It says here, you got to come to Him. Come to me, all you who are weary, and burdened yeah i want to tell you, anybody ever see the movie the help how many of you three of you god bless you great movie all right and this isn't a spoiler it's a it's, uh, back in the the antebellum uh, uh, back in the, the 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 south like in the 40s or 50s anyway there's this black lady and she was serving this white woman in a house and the white woman's just a wicked lady, just wicked and secure and racist to the core. The black lady loved God; she was humble and yeah, you know, she just served. It was just an amazing—it's an amazing story, right? Well, she set this black lady up so that she could fire her. It's just really mean-spirited, and uh, so she's going to fire her. And the little girl that she's taking care of, you know, I love you and everything, and. The black lady, she was mad. But she let God control it, and she got right up there to that, to that wicked lady. And she said, you are a wicked woman, which was true. But then she was so compassionate, she goes, ain't you tired? Ain't you tired? Ain't you tired? And I, I remember, I'm going to preach on that one day. That lady was carrying all her nasty stuff for her whole life. She didn't know what it was like not to be carrying that stuff. And this, uh, the, the 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 black lady, she just went. She noticed that. Listen, you are with. Aren't you tired being you? Aren't you tired of carrying what you're carrying? It was, it was in your face, but it was so compassionate. Ain't you tired? Ain't you just tired? Some of the things you've learned to carry. Ain't you tired? No, I'm not calling you wicked. It's the second part. Ain't you tired? And Jesus says this. Come to me if you're tired. And I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me. I'm gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. My yoke, what I want you to carry. My yoke is easy and my burden's light. So you've got to come. Second, confess. Confess, in first, um, first John chapter 1, says, If we confess our sins, if we confess what we're carrying, I have this fear. I do this. Man, I'm, I'm a control freak. Whatever it is, if you confess, He is faithful and just, and He'll do two things He will forgive you. He won't hold it against you. And he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He starts changing us from the inside. And the third thing is surrender. In Mark chapter 8 it says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever wants to lose their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Many times we got stuff that we've been carrying. We come to him and we go, God, I'm carrying this. And he, we confess it. He forgives us and he starts changing our heart. And that, but we don't surrender that thing. We don't surrender. The, I'll tell you a story. Early on in my Christian walk, um, man, I smoked Marlboro. Like, but, but I was a casual smoker, only half a pack. And I decided to quit, right? I was just going to do it in my own strength and all that sort of stuff. And uh, every night, I would go, God, I'm done. Please forgive me. I'm done. And I would take the hard pack, you know, that hard pack, and I'd crumple it up and throw it in the garbage, knowing that the next morning there's going to be a couple cigarettes that were protected by the hard pack. And it took me a year to quit. I went from a half half a pack to over a pack, quitting. This is an amazing thing. Uh, but then one day, I, I had the aha moment. I go, Lord, see this thing? I know it's wrong. It's not good for my body. It doesn't glor- glorify you. And you've told me don't do it. And I keep on quitting. God, I confess to you not only that I'm doing this, but I like it. I surrender my wanna. Like, I mean... I didn't even know I was going to pray that till it came out of my mouth. I surrender my, my wanna, And next day, I, and this is like well, 30-something years ago, I haven't had a cigarette at all. Never even the desire. I'm not saying this will be your experience. This is like commercial. The results may not be the same. But there's something about whatever it is that you've been forgiven for, why don't you surrender that territory to the Lord. And then act. Do something. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. You know, you come to Jesus, you get forgiven and all, and guess what? Just surrendering is great, but then throw it off. Go, I ain't doing that no more. I'm sorry. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus... The author and perfecter of our faith. There's something about you come to him, you agree with him, you surrender, and you just take steps to do things differently. Imagine you got an old girlfriend. Not a girlfriend who's old, but like an old girlfriend. And it didn't work out and all that, and you're married. But you keep on thinking about the old girlfriend. Well, you know the thing, you, and you go, that's not fair to your wife. It's And there was a reason why you broke up with her. Okay, so it's just not a good idea. And you start going, well, I'll check up on her on Facebook. Or this, or that, or this. And you go, no, 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 no. You you just take that stuff, take it to Jesus, and act by going, I'm unfriending you. And it's not rejection. It's just, I'm going to do the things. I'm going to throw that off. I'm not going to give this thing an opportunity to grab me again. It is for freedom that Jesus came to set us free. The thing I want to pray for us, for us, is the area of fear. Because uh, fear is woven in so many levels and so many areas. The love of God is not a pat on the head by an old grandpa the love of God has power to drive out fear. That's what John says. And also the spirit of fear. Now, when there's a spiritual element, you may have an issue in your soul. It's like a little fire. The enemy comes and it's like it's pouring gas on the fire. The spirit of fear. The spirit of fear. God did not give us a spirit of fear. So I want to just pray for us. You don't even have to stand. Um, but God wants to start something in each of our lives where we go, Yeah, I'm tired, and I'm tired of being tired. I would like to experience how Jesus makes me free from all those things so I can learn more about why I'm here on planet Earth. It's a process. Thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, be sure to visit us online. At reachcommunitychurch.com